Well, turning your Bibles to Daniel chapter 8, we're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Daniel, and we're seeing Daniel from the time he was a young boy, uh, probably 14 or 15, t- 15, taken off into captivity in Babylon, and then now an old man, as we see him all the way through, and all the way up to the Medo-Persian Empire. It's a great book because it shows us how a godly person lives, but then it also shows us... Uh, about the end times, and he gives us the end time events. We've moved into the section of the book in which Daniel himself has visions and dreams, and revealing, and God reveals the meaning to Daniel, and we see end time events. And what we look at is we see this God gives to Daniel the information concerning future events. Now, last time we saw in chapter 7, these four beasts that came up out of the sea, and, you know, it was a lion and a, and a bear and a leopard and then some kind of monster-looking beast, and we saw those, and there were the four kingdoms to come, and then it even went all the way down to these ten-king federation and the Antichrist and all of that. It took us three weeks to go through that. Well, this morning we're going to start chapter, chapter 8, and it's going to take us a couple of weeks because in this one he sees two more beast, two more animals, something coming up. And so the angel Gabriel is actually here and interprets the dream for Daniel. He tells him what it is, and we'll see how it fits together. As we look at this, the two empires that are going to come, whoops, that's not right, are the Medo-Persian Empire and the Greco-Macedonian Empire. That's, that's the empires to come. And this morning, we're going to see somebody who the Bible, we, as people who've studied the Bible, we call this person we're going to see in this chapter the little Antichrist. We already know that in the future, there's going to come a time when, when uh, there will be a ten-king federation after the church is gone. It's the time of the tribulation, and this man is going to come to power. We call him the Antichrist. We call him the beast that rises up out of the sea. That's Revelation chapter 13. Well, in this chapter, there is somebody that reminds us of this coming Antichrist, and we'll see how this fits together. You know, when you think about history, there, there have been many, many evil rulers. From Adam and Eve on, it's a fallen world, and there have been some evil rulers. When you think about it, even around the time of the flood, there was a guy named Lamech. And Lamech killed people, and he challenged. He says, if anybody touches me, I'll kill them. That's what he said. He was kind of an evil person. And, and then we've seen people like Pharaoh, who said, I don't care about your God, and I'll do whatever I want to do. And then you see Herod the Great, who killed all the little baby boys. And, and then you see Stalin, and Hitler, and Goring, and Saddam Hussein, and Pol Pot, and Bin Laden, and all of these people all throughout history. Well, we're going to see another evil man in history. His name is Antiochus Epiphanes IV. Now, you may say, I never heard of this guy, or you may have heard of him. And we're going to talk about him. He's found in the Bible, not necessarily by the name, but we can tell who he is. God tells Daniel about this man, and as we look at him, as we look at this man, he's a foreshadow of the Antichrist who's going to come, and we'll see how that fits together. As we begin chapter 8, we're in the third year of the reign of a king by the name of Belshazzar. That's two years after the dream that he had or the vision that he had in chapter 7. This was the final king of the Babylonian Empire. Daniel's probably in his 70s, if you remember... When the Babylonian Empire fell, Daniel was probably 85 or or older. So we're not sure how much longer, maybe 10 or 15 more years before the empire falls. And we're going to see 
the Babylonian Empire where Daniel is now, and then we're going to see the Medo-Persian Empire and the Greco-Macedonian Empire. And we're going to talk about a little bit about that. And we're going to have to get a little history to put things together. And so he's going to see these empires to come. Now, as we look at chapter 8, we're going to see some famous people. We're going to see one famous one is Alexander the Great. We'll talk about him. It's not listed by name, of course, but he's listed. You can see it. And then we're going to meet somebody not quite as famous and that's that man we mentioned, Antiochus Epiphanes IV. It's a long name. I'll tell you what it means in just a minute and how it fits together. Last time, if you remember, we have seen that there's these empires to come. There's the Babylonian Empire, which Daniel lived in, followed by the Medo-Persian, followed by the Greco-Macedonian, followed by the Roman Empire, and then in the future, a ten-king federation. We saw that in both chapter 2 and in chapter 7. If you remember in chapter 2, Daniel saw this statue, or Nebuchadnezzar saw the statue, and Daniel interpreted that there was the Babylonian Empire, followed by the Medo-Persian Empire, followed by the Greco-Macedonian Empire, followed by the Roman Empire. Then there's the church age, that's us, which Daniel didn't know about, nobody did in the Old Testament. And then there's the ten toes, which is the ten king federation. If you remember then in chapter 7, there were those four beasts there's the Babylonian Empire, there's the Medo-Persian Empire, there's the Greco-Macedonian Empire, and there's the Roman Empire, which is some kind of beast or something that he names it out. And that's just another way to look at them. And I want you to remember something in a minute. You remember the leopard? The leopard had four heads that he saw. That was the Greco-Macedonian Empire. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Let me remind you, when you contrast Daniel 2 and chapter 7, there's the gold is the lion, and the silver is the bear, and the brass is the leopard, the iron, iron legs was the dragon or the beast of the Roman Empire, and then the ten feet, ten toes corresponded to the ten horns, which was that future empire. In our passage this morning, and for next week, he's going to, whoops, sorry, hit the wrong thing. He's going to emphasize the bear and the leopard. That's the next two things. He's living in Daniel chapter 8. He's living in the time of the Babylonian Empire. He's going to see this empire to come and this empire to come. And we're going to meet somebody out of those empires. And we'll see how it fits together. Now, Daniel is going to see 200 years into the future from the time that he lived. And we're going to see this man. Let me give you an outline of the passage just to show you what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see this in the third year of Belshazzar. That's verse 1. And the verses 12 through 12, we're going to see the ram, the goat, and the little horn. We're going to talk about who that is. And then we're going to talk about the length. We're going to see 2,300 days, and we'll see what all that means. So let's go ahead and look at Daniel chapter 8. Look at verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Belshazzar, the king... Uh, in, the third reign, in the third year of the reign of Belshazzar the king, a vision appeared to me, Daniel. So I had a vision, subsequent to the one which appeared to me previously. Now, two years earlier, back in the first year of the reign of Belshazzar, he had that other vision. This is now the third year. Now, this man, Belshazzar, if you remember, he was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, who was the big king of, of the Babylonian Empire. This is the one in which had the party and the handwriting came on the wall in Daniel chapter 5, which we saw. So this is in the third year of his reign. And he had a vision. Now remember, a vision is different than a dream. A dream is when you're asleep. A vision is when you're awake. And so while he was awake, he had this vision of this, this event. And here's what he says. I looked in the vision. And while I was looking, I was in the citadel of Susa, which is in the province of Elam, and I looked in the vision, and I myself was beside the Uli Canal. Now, you may not understand this, but Daniel was living in Babylon, the, 
the city of Babylon, which was the capital of the Babylonian Empire. He finds himself in this vision 200 miles, 150 miles to the east in a city called Susa, which would later, Susa later will become the capital of the Medo-Persian Empire. He finds himself there. And so he's going to find that he's 200 years into the future. So not only was he transported in the future, but he's about 150 to 200 miles east of where he is now. And so he's transported in the future, and he sees a vision. And when we look at the vision, there are really four things in the vision. There's a ram, and there's a goat, and then there's this little horn, and then there's 2,300 days. That's what this vision is all about. So what did he see? Let's look at it. Verse 3. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a ram, which had two horns, was standing in front of the canal. Now, the two horns were long. But one was longer than the other, which the longer one coming up last. Now, the best that we can tell is that this is the Medo-Persian Empire. This is the next empire that's going to come, the Medo-Persian Empire. And if you remember, the Medes and the Persians, two different ones. He says there's two horns. There's one first, and then the other one comes up second. Now, I couldn't find a drawing that looked exactly like that, but the bottom line is there's this animal that has two horns, and the two horns really are representing the Medo-Persian Empire. I got, I found one ram that looked like this. I found another one that looked like this with the two horns. And, and and so he sees this, this uh, ram that has the two horns. And we think, we say, it's the Medo-Persian Empire. How do we know it's the Medo-Persian Empire? Look over uh, at verse 20 in chapter 8. In the interpretation, he says, The ram which you saw with the two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia. That's the Medo-Persian Empire. So that's who it is. Now, watch what happens. Verse 4. I saw the ram, and he was budding westward and northward and southward, and no other beast could stand before him. No other there's anyone to rescue from his power, but he did as he pleased, and he magnified himself. Well, that's exactly what happened. The medieval Persians conquered the Babylonians and began to move all over that whole region, and they became the world empire, the medieval Persian empire, the Medes and the Persians. And that was Cyrus, the king of the Persians, and, and all of those kind of things that we talked about when we looked at this earlier. Now, something else happens. While he's seeing this, notice verse 5. While I was observing, behold, a male goat was coming from the west over the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had this conspicuous horn between his eyes. So he looks up, and he's got this goat right here, but then he looks out to the west, and here comes uh, uh, right a ram here. Then he looks and sees this goat with this big horn. And the goat, of course, some, some people say it looks like this. Some say it looks like this because it's going so fast that it's not touching the ground. And some say that's because whatever this empire is, whatever it is, they're moving very, very fast. Well, who could it be? Well, it's Alexander. It's the Greeks and Alexander the Great. Look at chapter 8. Look at verse 21. He explains it for us. He said, the shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece. And the large horn that is between his eyes is the first king. Now, that's Alexander the Great. Now, by the way, understand this, that when Daniel gets this vision, there is no Medo-Persian Empire, and there is no Greco-Macedonians. But he's naming them before they ever come to power. 
And so he sees, and now this, the best we can tell, this is Alexander the Great. And of course, Alexander the Great, that's a, a mosaic of him. We don't know exactly what he looked like. I've got some other things to show you. But Alexander the Great was a young man. His father, now let me just remind you of something. His father was called Philip, Philip of Macedonia, the, the, the Greco-Macedonian Empire. Philip of Macedon, Macedonia, was Alexander the Great's dad. When Philip died, and by the way, the city Philippi was named after Philip of Macedonia. When Alexander, when his daddy died, Alexander the Great became the world leader and ruled all the way to age 30, 32, 33, and then died. Some say he died by drinking himself to death. He conquered the whole known world by the time he was 30 years old. Alexandria, Egypt is named after Alexander the Great. And he was a warrior. He was amazing. He, he conquered the world and he moved so fast that people couldn't imagine how powerful he really was. And so in this chapter, all of, in this thing, you see this realm, which is Medo-Persians, uh, 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 and now we've got the Greeks coming, the Greco-Macedonians. He saw this male goat with this big horn come in, and look what happens. Verse 6, he came up to the ram that had two horns, which had been standing in front of the canal, and rushed at him in a mighty wrath. It's as if these two animals are going to come to fight one another. There's a battle coming, the one with the big horn, the one uh, with Alexander the Great. This is, this is the Greco-Macedonians, this is the, the Medo-Persians, and there's a battle coming, and that's exactly what happened in history. Read verse 7, he says, I saw him come beside the rim, and he was enraged at him. This is the, 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 the big goat with the horn. And he struck the ram, and he shattered his two horns, and the ram had no strength to stand before him. So he hurled him to the ground and trampled on him, and there was none to rescue his power. Well, that is exactly what happened. Alexander the Great led his army. They defeated the Medo-Persians. The major battle was at the Gaius River. We saw that Alexander confronted Darius the third of the Medo-Persian Empire at the Cilician Gates in Syria, and there was a great victory. The great Greek victory was at Thermopylae. If you've ever studied history, you read about how the Greeks destroyed the Medes and the Persians, and this was a great victory. I always put this one up here because you can see that the ram is about to get destroyed by that goat, and that goat is Alexander the Great, and that's exactly what happened in history. Now watch this. Verse 7 again, I saw him come beside the ram, and he was enraged at him, and he struck the ram, and he shattered his two horns, and the ram had no strength, so he hurled him to the ground, and he trampled on him, and there was none to rescue the ram from his power. So the Greeks became the world empire. Then the goat, the male goat, magnified himself, that's Alexander the Great. But as soon as he was mighty, the large horn, Alexander, was broken. He died. And in this place there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. Let's talk about what happened. Here's Alexander. He became the great world leader. Let me tell you what it looks like. This, that's one mosaic of him. Here's a picture of him on one of the coins. Here's a statue of Alexander the Great. That's who he, who he was. He was I've, I've read several books on his life. I'm, I'm pretty interested in him. He was a very unique person because uh, from a very young age, I mean early 20s, with, with his father, he decided, I, I can do a lot of things. He was an exact person. That's why he loved that Greek language. The Greek language is very exact. Alexander used to tell him, when I give you an order, I want it carried out exactly as I say it. That's Alexander the Great. He was that kind of guy. By age 30, they had conquered the world. That's him. And then it says, his horn was broken. And we know that around 30, 32, 33, he died. 
All the traditions say he drank himself to death. There's a saying that Alexander said, I've conquered all the world. What is left to do? I might as well die. That's, that's, that's just out there. But notice something in verse 8. When he died, it says, In his place there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. From history, when Alexander the Great died, his empire was divided between his four generals. You remember the leopard back in chapter 8, chapter 7? How many heads did the leopard have? At four. That's the four generals. And we can look at it. The four generals were Cassander, who took the part of Greece. Lysitimus took Thrace. Seleucid took Assyria. And Ptolemy took Egypt. This is their land that they had. These two are very important. We'll talk more about it in a second. Here's Cassander taking Greece, and here's Lysitimus. Here is Ptolemy. He took what we call northern Egypt. So he was the Egyptian one. And then here's Seleucus, and he took what we would call the Assyrian part of the world. Now, these two generals hated each other, and they fought each other, and their descendants fought each other. And in the Bible, and Daniel, they're going to be called the king of the north and the king of the south. Now, the reason it's important is if you notice, right in the middle of these two empires is Israel. And every time they fought, Israel was involved in the battles. So every time there was a battle, Israel had to deal with it. And so these two generals, and these are the two we're going to think of, Seleucus and Ptolemy. This is where all this happens. Now look at verse 9. And this is what's surprising. Out of one of these came forth a rather small horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the beautiful land. Now, let me tell you, the horn is going to come out of this empire, the Seleucid Empire, and he's going to come toward the east and to the south. He's coming. Now, when you see a little horn, your mind says, oh, little horn, chapter 7, the little horn. Well, no. In chapter 7, the little horn comes from the Roman Empire with the Ten King Federation. In chapter 8, the little horn comes from the Greek Empire out of the four kings. They're not the same little horn. This person, this little horn, is called Antiochus Epiphanes IV, which means the shining one. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a very evil man. He had the northern part, he had the Seleucus Empire, and he began to conquer. He actually conquered Ptolemy, the southern empire. He got them all. He got them. In between was Israel, and he conquered them as well. He was a very evil man. Um, this is what he looked like. He had a coin. He called himself Antiochus IV Epiphanes. Now, let me explain something to you. The name Epiphanes means the bright and shining one. He called himself the shining one, the bright one, the good one. Now, the Jews hated him, of course. And in Greek, if you take out one letter, you spell a name called Epimanes. And Epimanes means the crazy man. So the Jewish people called him Antiochus IV Epimanes, crazy man. He called himself Antiochus IV Epiphanes, which is the shining one. Now, they didn't call him crazy man to his face. I just want you to understand that. Now, let me just tell you something about him. I'm going to go into more detail next week. But he was a horrible person. Look at verse 10. 
It grew up, this horn grew up to the host of heaven and caused some of the hosts and some of the stars to fall to the earth and trample them down. He went after the Jewish people. That's what he did. He did that. Then in verse 11, he even magnified himself to be equal to the commander of the host. That's God. He removed the regular sacrifice from him. That's the temple. And the place of sanctuary was thrown down. Now let me explain something to you. He defeated the Egyptians. On the way back from defeating the Egyptians, that's Ptolemy, the Roman, he had a clash with the Romans. And the Romans actually, the Romans are coming to power. They actually whipped him. So he comes back to his own land. The Jewish people heard that he was killed in the battle. They had a celebration. He came back and said, you're celebrating that I died? I'm not dead. And so he went in and he began to kill. He killed 80,000 Jewish people. He came into Jerusalem, to the temple in Jerusalem, and he wrote, and I've got it written here. I'm going to read you the exact writing from a man named Josephus. Uh, he actually said there will be no sacrifices on the temple. Um, he sacrificed a pig on the temple. He put his own idol up, to, and he called, I'm the shining one. He took the Jewish people, and he said, every copy of the Bible will be destroyed. Every little boy who is circumcised. Now, all Jewish boys were what? He killed them and hung them around their mother's necks. He was an evil, evil man. Now, let me tell you. He's a foreshadow of the Antichrist. What does he do? He comes into the temple of Jerusalem. He starts the sacrifices. He kills Jewish people. He claims to be God. What will the Antichrist do in the Ten King Federation? Halfway through, he will come into the temple of Jerusalem. He will stop the sacrifices. He'll put up his idol. He will claim to be God, and he will kill Jewish people. This man in the Old Testament is a foreshadow of the coming Antichrist. The reason God gave this information to Daniel so he could see this evil man and then it's going to tie together in the book of Revelation when you see that. So he's just a foreshadow. Josephus says he sent letters to the Jews. I want to read this to you. He forbid all burnt offerings and all sacrifices. He forbid that they would celebrate the Sabbath day. He said that you could not have any sacrifices on the altar and he came to Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on the altar and he said you could not circumcise Circumcise your boys, and any little boy that was circumcised, he killed them and hung them around their mother's neck. That's the kind of man he was. Now, next week, we're going to see something that you may have never heard about. But here's the question. How did the Jewish people get away from this man? How did they have victory over this evil man. We're going to see it next week because we're going to give you more details. But look what happens. Verse 13. Then I heard a holy one speaking. So Daniel's listening to this thing. He's watching it. And he hears one an angel speaking to another angel. I heard a holy one speaking and another holy one said to that particular one and said, how long will the vision about the regular sacrifice apply while the transgressions causes horror so as to allow both the holy place and the host to be trampled? He's basically saying, how long is this going to last? 
How long is this evil man going to be able to to desecrate the temple and put a pig there and stop the sacrifices? How long will this happen? And the next verse says, he said to me, 2,300 evening and mornings, then the holy place will be properly Restored. Now, 2,000, the answer is 2,300 even in the morning. What does that mean? If it means days, I want you to understand something. If it means days, that's not quite seven years. There's a little between six and seven years. Antiochus IV did these things from 171 B.C. to 164 B.C. That's approximately seven years. Now, there's another way to look at this. Notice he says evening and mornings, which would be two a day, which would make it about half that number. And if it's half that number, it's a little more than three years. Now, look at this. From history, Antiochus desecrated the temple from 167 B.C. to 164 B.C. That's about three years or 2,300 evenings and mornings. So the best way, I think, to look at this time period is the time period that Antiochus stopped the sacrifices. And once again, I'm going to raise this question. What happened? How did the Jewish people get the temple back? What happened to this evil man? We'll see the details next week. I just want you to see that this is a foreshadow of the evil man of sin, the beast, the antichrist, the little horn of Daniel 7. If you remember, we showed this last week or last time. This is the church. This is the tribulation time period. Halfway through the tribulation, the antichrist puts his idol up, and for the final three and a half years is the great tribulation. This, this, what's happening in Daniel 8, is a foreshadow of what's going to happen someday in the future. And if you remember the chart that we put up last time, that's that's the Old Testament. There's Jesus dying on the cross. the church age. Jesus is going to come take us out. There'll be that seven-year tribulation. Halfway through that tribulation, the Antichrist will put his idol up in there. Then Jesus will come back, and that'll be the end. This man, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, is a foreshadow of the Antichrist in the future. We'll see more next time. We'll see what happened. Uh, I will give you a hint. Have you ever heard of Hanukkah? We'll talk about it next week. So let let me give you some applications here. Evil men have come throughout history as foreshadow, as a foreshadow of the Antichrist. The evil men in the world are really a foreshadow of this Antichrist, whether it's Antiochus or Hitler or Saddam or Pol Pot or Stalin or whoever it may be, they're or foreshadows. But one thing about it, God protects his people. I want you to remember three things, that God will never leave us or forsake us, that God will supply every need that we have, and we just rest in the Lord. And with the idea of resting in the Lord, that takes us to the fact that we got to trust God because he's the ruler in the events of the world. That may look bad. And when all this happened, it was bad. And in the future, when the Antichrist comes, now we as the church, we don't have to worry about that. We'll be gone. So if you're thinking about today, oh no, I don't want to be in something like that. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, we're the body of Christ. One of these days, Jesus is going to come get us and take us out. Then these kind of things will be happening. But even in the midst of all of that, God is in control. And one of the great truths is let's base our lives on the Word of God. Why? 
because God's word is perfectly and true. And let me tell you something. When this was written, there was no Medo-Persian Empire. There was no Greco-Macedonian Empire. There was no Alexander the Great. There was no Antiochus Epiphanes. And yet this passage reveals that a ram is coming that is the Medo-Persians. The, the, um, and there's a goat coming, and he's the Greeks. And they ain't even happened yet. God knows the end from the beginning, and God is in control.